Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A number of years ago, many years ago, there was a very famous child psychologist by the name of Dr. Robert Coles. He was addressing a group of undergraduate students at Harvard University, and he was relaying a story from another famous psychologist who was frustrated and talking with Dr. Coles. And he told Dr. Coles this. He said, I have a man who I've been seeing every week for 15 years. He said he is just as mean and as angry and as self-centered now as he was 15 years ago when he came into my office. He said the only difference is now he knows why he's mean and angry and self-centered. And uh, Dr. Coles began to talk to this group and said, obviously, he said what this man needs is more than just information. That what this man needs is transformation. But then he asked, he's been, Dr. Coles asked the question, he said, is transformation possible in human beings? Now here's a great answer. For Dr. Coles, I don't know him, I don't even know if he's still alive, but if he was, I would tell him, yes, Dr. Coles, transformation is possible in human beings, but it's done by God, it's done through Jesus Christ, and he absolutely has the ability to transform and change our lives and make such a difference. Many of us could say, I am not the person I used to be. And God has done something wonderful in me. But here's an interesting thing about transformation. Transformation comes whenever we make Jesus our Lord. That's where transformation begins. But it doesn't stop there. Transformation has the ability to change. And when I I mean transformation, I mean an an obvious change. And, And for us, it's not change necessarily in appearance. It's changing character, who we are. It's a difference. And so it has the ability, but we're going to have to be a part of that process. Now, if you think about it, change mostly starts on the inside and then works its way to the outside. For example, if you've ever been an adult who has gone back to school, maybe in your late 20s or 30s or even 40s, you'll notice you're a whole lot better student when you went back than you were the first time. It's not because your IQ necessarily changed. It's because your mindset changed. You, you had a transformation. You realize, hey, I can't party my life away and make good grades. And so you applied yourself, you were focused, but it's, it's amazing to see people go back to school and do a better job because of their mindset change. If you're going to change your physical body, whether lose weight or add muscle, it's gonna take a transformation in your mindset first. In other words, you can't just get the idea of, wow, I'd like to do that. You have to commit to doing that. And you have to get the mindset is, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to stop eating certain stuff. You make that mindset change internally before it shows up externally. In your relationships, before you get married, or when you get married, there needs to be a mindset change. It's not just all about you anymore. Now you get to share it. And when you have kids, I promise you it's not all about you. Because they don't, little babies don't care what time they wake you up. They're they're gonna, that's a mindset change. (laughs) There was a lady who, she came in one night, she was living with her mom and dad, young lady, she came in, she just came in from a date, she was crying. And she came, her mom was up and she just came and fell on her mom's shoulder and just cried. She said, the engagement is off, it is off. 
She said, there's no way I can marry him. She said, honey, what, what in the world's wrong? She said, well, she said, we're just theologically too far apart. There's just no way I can, I can marry him. She said, what is it, honey? She said, he doesn't believe there's a hell. And the mother patted her on the shoulder. She said, there, there, darling, you go ahead and marry him. We'll prove to him there's a hell. <laughs> That's a that is a mindset change we're not looking for, guys. If we're going to be a follower of Christ, if we're going to be a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, it also involves a transformation. But it's a transformation that we're the ones that initiate, and the Bible tells us how we can do that. Look at this verse in Romans. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It said, don't be conformed. Now, we say be conformed to the world. Don't, don't get the idea of being conformed to the earth. We're not talking about the earth. We're talking about a world system that does not acknowledge God. Have you ever noticed how much of the information that comes our way, God's not anywhere in it? And a lot, a lot of times people have no honor for God. They have no appreciation for God. And so there's a whole system that works that way. And Paul is writing to the believers then. It applies to the believers now. Don't be molded into a world system that does not acknowledge God, but be transformed. And that word transformed to change a, 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 an apparent change by the what? By the renewing of your mind. Not the renewing of your brain, the renewing of your mind, your mindset. And that word, that word means a, a renovation. So in other words, we're gaining a different perspective. And when we begin to gain a different perspective, it's a, it's a, really it's heaven's perspective. It's a kingdom of God perspective. And when we begin to gain that, it begins to change our mindset and that in turn transforms us. Stephen Covey wrote a book a number of years ago, Seven, Effect, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, he said he was on a, a subway in New York City one Sunday morning so it was a quiet Sunday morning. He's sitting there just reading his paper, riding the subway. He said, when the doors opened and a man stepped on the subway with about four kids, he said, these kids were just, they were loud. They were rowdy. So he's trying to read his paper and they're wrestling and fighting and yelling and throwing stuff and they hit his paper and then they hit his paper again. Finally, after about the third time, Stephen Covey put his paper down. He looked at the man. He said, sir, can you control your children? He said the man was kind of in a, in, in a stupor he just shook it. He said, he said, I'm sorry, my, my apologies. He said, we, we just came from the hospital where the children found out that their mother is dying. He said, I guess they don't know how to handle it. Cubby said, everything changed. Now, instead of being angry, now he had compassion. Now he wanted to help. Now he, he wanted to reach out to this guy. What happened? His perspective changed. The information that came to him changed him. And that's the way it is with God's kingdom. We're getting different information and we're beginning to change our perspective. This morning I want to talk about an area that all of us deal with and that's a, a transformational perspective on dealing with threats and challenges to our life. A great example of this is found in the Old Testament with a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a great-great-grandson of King Solomon. He was the king of Judah. The nation had split. There was Israel with about 10 tribes, and then there's Judah with two tribes. And he was a good king, and he was leading 
uh, the nation well. But a problem came. Three armies came out against him. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And they banded up and they were coming. In fact, they told, they told Jehoshaphat, said, there is a great multitude. They're not about a small army. There's a great multitude coming for you. And so what Jehoshaphat does is a wonderful pattern of a kingdom response to a threat, to a challenge. So I'm, we're going we're gonna to read. I'm going to read some scriptures here, probably more than I typically read, but I'm going to give you the, the CCV. This is out of the Clayton Condensed Version. And it, so just stay with me as we read this story. Jehoshaphat feared when he heard the army was coming, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And he starts with praying. He said, aren't you, you're the God of the heavens and the earth and nobody can withstand you. And then he says, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple, that's where they were, and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now, the Lord answered. He answered them. There was a, a, a prophet there. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit came on the prophet, and he began to speak prophetically. He said, listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You would not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambush. No, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambush. Bushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. It's a great pattern here. How do you, what's a kingdom response? What's a kingdom perspective on handling threats and challenges. You say, well, Alan, why are we talking about threats and challenges? Because we live in an evil world and there are threats and challenges. You say, well, that's kind of negative. No, that's kind of realistic. That's where we're living. And if we think we're living anywhere else, this is not happy days. This is real life. And so we're living in a different time. We have to have a, a different perspective. Now, here's what I love about Jehoshaphat's perspective. When the armies came out against them, Jehoshaphat did not accept it as fate. He didn't say, well, that's the way the old ball bounces, which is not a scripture, by the way. He didn't say, well, I guess that's the will of the Lord. He didn't accept it as fate. He didn't accept it as the will of the Lord. He saw it as a threat and he was going to resist it. And they got together to pray, to ask God, help them beat this army, not just simply accept this army coming and wiping them out. So his mentality and his perspective was, God, this is not from you, so I need your help. As he began to pray, he wasn't just praying to help God. He began to, 
I love how he starts. He starts, and it would be good to read the chapter. It won't take you long. It's a great chapter. It'd be good to read it because he starts off with God. Are you not God of the heavens and the earth? And you made everything and nobody can withstand you. So in other words, God, you are bigger. And then he began to recount a promise that his great, great grandfather Solomon had been given when they built the temple. And the Lord said, when you ever you get in trouble, you come to this place. He said, my name is in this place. He said, and you pray and you cry out to me. I'm going to hear and help. And so, and so Jehoshaphat is recounting his prayer. His confidence is based on a promise that God promised to help them. And I love how you see how Jehoshaphat identifies with God. This is not God who's way out there. He's God, you're our God. And this is, we are your people. And this is the land you gave us. Can you see how he, he, he's bringing that in? In other words, I'm not separate from you, God. I, I'm, I'm identified with you. It's a great way to do it. And the Lord answered. And the Lord spoke to him, gave him a promise. He said, tomorrow you go down against him. You fight against him. Don't be dismayed. Told, told him twice, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. You ever notice that's always what God says? God never says, be scared, be very, very afraid. He never says that. He always says, be a, he says, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. He said, because I'm going to go out with you. And so when Jehoshaphat gets up the next day, he's, he's, they, have, they still have to go down and do something. Now, this is real important, guys. There's, there's God's part and there's our part in almost every victory that you're going to see. And so, you know, even when manna, we've been reading in Exodus, even when manna fell in the desert, it didn't fall in their tents. They had to go get it and bring it back in. So there were still things that they had to do. So they still had to go down and, and face that army. And Jehoshaphat stands up and he says this. He says, I, I love what he said. He says, guys, believe in God and you'll be established. That word means you can stand firm. He said, believe as prophets and you can prosper or you'll succeed. You believe what he says, what he says in his word, what he prophetically speaks. You believe that and you'll succeed. And then he did something really unusual. They put the praise team out first. Now that's, that's a, that's a, that's, we're all clapping. It's like, I don't know if I'd want to be in part of that praise team. It's like, okay, okay, where's the praise team? Yeah, we got, we got the tambourines and the guitars. And so the praise team is all out there going, praise the Lord, in front of the army. The army's backing them up. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And the army's coming behind. Look like a Soul Train Congo line. It's like, yeah, they're going down. I, I love that. They're praising God before they saw an answer, before they saw a victory, before it happened. And they're praising. And, and the Bible said when they did that, that God said ambush was, and actually what happened is all three armies, they, they started fighting each other. We're still doing that today. But, they're, but they, were, they were fighting each other and they killed each other. Mm -hmm. So they come down to the valley and, and everybody's dead. So they just haul the stuff out. And uh, God gave them a great victory. But their perspective was good. This morning I'm talking about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we, how do we from a, a kingdom of God perspective, how do we view threats and challenges that come our way? That, are, that come against us, that come against our families, that come against our relationships, that come against our, our health. How do we view that? It's important that we view it with heaven's perspective, a kingdom of God perspective. 
Look at this. Here, here's our first one. Move from acceptance to resistance. We don't have to accept everything that comes down the pipe because we're part of a different kingdom. Now, let me, let me show you something here in, in Colossians here. It says he, Paul was writing the church. He says he, God, has delivered us from the power. That word power actually means authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Do you realize that when you made Jesus your Lord, you became part of a different kingdom? We're, we're part of a different kingdom. Remember when Jesus stood before Pilate? Pilate said, are you a king? Jesus said, you bet I'm a king. He said, basically, he said, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight and I wouldn't be here. He said, but my, my kingdom is not from here. He is the king. We're part of his kingdom. When you made Jesus your Lord, not only did you become a new creation, but you were transferred out of the authority of darkness. Satan has no authority over you and you were transferred into the kingdom of his dear son who loves you. That's a different kingdom, different kingdom, different rules. Now, let me put it to you, put to it this way. What if, and let's look straight ahead. What if you work for a horrible boss? I said, I'm not talking to staff. Don't, don't staff, don't you be looking up here. <laughs> what if you work for a horrible boss? I mean, one of those bosses who was always calling you on the weekends and always, and, and always blustery. Have you ever worked for a horrible boss and then you quit that job? You said, hey, you can take this job and give it to someone else. And, um, <laughs> and you quit that job and you came to work here at the Ark where the boss is wonderful. <laughs> now, what, now, so here, you, you, you left that old job, the bad job, mean boss, horrible boss. Now you're working for a good boss who loves you. But you wake up one morning, your phone just buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And you look up, you see, it's your old boss. And you pick up the phone, you go, hello? And you go, where are you? Why aren't you here? You're in so much trouble. I'm going to dock your pay. I'm your, you think your life is hard. I'm going to make your life miserable. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And it dawns on you, wait a minute. I don't work for you. I don't work for you anymore. You have no authority over me. So you look at him and go, I'm sorry. We have a bad connection. <laughs> And you hang up, you say, you hung up on your boss, he's not your boss anymore. You work for another boss who's a good boss, who is not, who's not unkind to you. Listen, when you made Jesus your Lord, you got a brand new boss. You're no longer under Satan or his kingdom. You're now in the kingdom of God. You're not under his authority. So when you see his name come up on your phone, click and you hang up like, you ain't my Lord no more. I'm part of a different kingdom. And being part of a different kingdom means we resist the things that come against us that are not from God. So much, guys, is out there today. I'm amazed. I keep reading things. The, the uh, World Health Organization just listed burnout as, as a disease. And they're saying that, they've done studies saying that in the millennials, in that age group, I think that's in, what, 30s, maybe early 40s, in the millennials, they're saying 75% of them feel like they're more stressed out than their, than their parents. 80% of them feel like they're in a quarter-life crisis. It used to be midlife crisis. Now it's quarter-life crisis. And they're saying that burnout's becoming such a problem. TikTok, TikTok has become such a problem, they say, for teenage girls. That right now there's a big upsurge in people who claim, little girls who claim to have Tourette's syndrome. 
You know, the one with the ticks or the, the physical ticks or the, the verbal ticks. And they're saying there's an uptick because there's all these influencers on TikTok who, who, are, who are saying they have Tourette's. And all, all of a sudden now you have people self-diagnosing things. I have this, I have that, I have all these things. And what I'm saying is we can't accept everything that comes our way, especially if it's negative, especially if it's dark, especially if it's wrong. It used to be if you had a bad day, you would go home and you went, man, I had a bad day. I think I'm going to eat some Oreos and go to bed and wake up tomorrow and it's going to be another day. Now, if you have a bad day, you go home and you look up Google. I had a bad day. And about 15 things are going to show up showing you what mental illnesses you now have and how you are messed up and the power of suggestion. We laugh about it, but it's a problem and people are buying into it. And I'm telling you, we don't need to buy into it. We need to resist it because, because you say, well, Alan, I don't know what to resist. I'm, maybe it came from the Lord. Well, that's a good question. But here's the thing. If you want to know what comes from him, look at Jesus. Jesus said this, John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Guys, if you watch Jesus, everywhere Jesus goes, he didn't bring problems, he solved problems. He didn't bring sickness, he healed sickness. He didn't bring oppression, he delivered people from oppression. He didn't bring hunger. He didn't bring mental trauma. He didn't bring, he's the problem solver. He's the one that brings life, not the one that brings death. And if he doesn't bring it, we need to resist it. You say, well, Alan, you're just a preacher. You don't know what you're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about because I grew up in a home that would be diagnosed today as having mental illness. And depression was a part of my family and oppression was a part of my family. And I, and I grew up with it. I used to have, Years ago, I had anxiety attacks. They were almost debilitating. I dealt with depression, but I can tell you, I found out something. I found out I didn't have to accept it. I didn't have to buy into it. I didn't have to say it's mine. I said, no, it's not. It didn't come. It didn't come from Jesus. I am resisting it. And thank God, my depression days are over. Say, so you had never had bad days? No, I have bad days. Everyone has bad days. Are you kidding me? I pastor a big church. Everyone has bad days. So I go home, eat some Oreos, go to bed, wake up the next day. It's a brand new day with, without, but I'm pushing back on that. Parents, help your kids push back on all the junk that's coming at them through social media. It is push back on that. So are you against the internet? No, I'm not against the internet, but everything we have is a double-edged sword. You can preach the gospel on the internet. You can spread lies on the internet. You have to know what to resist and what to accept. Here's the second one. The second one is this. Our confidence is based on what God has said. We base our confidence. Jehoshaphat stood before the Lord and he began to talk about what God had said. We talk about what God has said, not our feelings, not tradition. Well, you know, my grandma believed this. Well, that's fine. I'm sure your grandma's a wonderful person, but what does the Bible say? That's how we renew our mind. That's how we begin to think, transform, and, and transform thinking. It's what does the scripture say? Not tradition, not feelings, all oh, please. Feelings, We've elevated feelings to where they're the highest level of truth. Feelings are the lowest level of truth. And God's word is so much higher. The universe is based on it. We can base our faith right there. Here's a wonderful, here's a, a confidence building scripture. 
Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. It didn't say preachers could say that. It didn't say worship leaders could say that. It didn't say everyone who's more spiritual than you can say that. If you belong to the Lord, you can say that. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you can boldly say, the Lord is helping me. Now that's just something that you can say. He said it, we can say it. We can boldly say, well, the Lord's helping me. We say that a lot around here. The Lord is helping me. Here's the third one. And this is developing a transformational perspective on dealing with threats, dealing with, with challenges that come our way. We begin to do this. We put some feet with our faith. There's some action we have to put to it. Remember Jehoshaphat, he stood, man, they went up early in the morning and the praisers went out first. We put some feet. You say, how do I put action with my faith? Here's the first thing is this, with your words, with your words, stop buying everything that comes down the road and go, well, I guess I'm this, I guess I'm that. Listen, if it don't come from grace, don't embrace. So if, if it's God's grace, I'm going to take it. If it's not, mm -mm, no. So with my words, I don't go, well, I guess I'm just this. I guess I'm just going to be a ball of nerves all my life. I guess I'm just going to be a failure. I guess I'm just going to be this. I guess we'll never have it. I guess my family will never have peace. Don't embrace that. With your words, if you can't say anything else, say what we just read, Lord's helping me. Yeah, but your family's messed up, but the Lord's helping us. Yeah, but you kind of messed up, but the Lord's helping me. And this thing ain't over yet. It ain't over till I say it's over. This is not three strikes, you're out. This is play till I win. So I'm staying in here. And with my words, I'm going to say what God says. And that's what, and that, what that's, that's, you may not feel it, but forget feelings. Put your faith in your mouth and say words like that. Here's, here's the Here's another one. It's, it's and, and this one's real key. With your de demeanor, if you believe God's helping you, act like it. Michael, we used to, who's now our youth pastor, but when he was five, we used to take him to public places like Walmart or Kmart or Target. And Michael would always want everything in the store. And we're like, no. And we'd say, no, Michael. And he would do this. He'd be walking around the store. He'd be walking around behind us like that. And people would see him and they'd go, oh, oh. We're like, no, 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 don't encourage him. We're going to talk about this when we get home, but don't encourage him. And he would walk, he would walk like this. Listen, we, it, it was, I, I'm despondent. I'm Eeyore. I'm sad. I'm this. Listen, if you believe God is helping you, stand up, throw your shoulders back, put a smile on your face. And, and listen, that's, people say, well, how do, how do I witness? We witness by acting like God's helping us. And just smile. Some people do not want to be Christians because they have relatives who are. We're a, we're a light. We're a testimony. Here's the last one. I, I think it's powerful. If, if you can give praise and thanks to God before you see an answer, you're stepping it up right there. If you can begin to thank God before you see things change, if you can like praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. If you can begin to do that, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Growing up, I had, uh, I had a couple of dogs. Actually, I had more than a couple. Um, but I had a little poodle who was about 20 pounds. He was a foo-foo poodle. And um, he scraggly looking dog. But <laughs> one time when I was in college, I had to go pick him up from the groomers. 
And so I went and picked him up in my car. It was a beautiful day. Had the windows rolled down. And I picked him up, front seat, no little doggy seat for him, front seat for him. So he's just jumping around in the front seat, you know, paws out the window, looking around. We pulled up to a stoplight, and he's got his little paws. He had a foo-foo poodle cut, had a bow in his hair, and he's out the window. And these, these two guys in a truck pull up next to me. And they're looking... <laughs> They're looking at me and they're looking at the dog and they're looking back at me like, get down here, you know. <laughs> Foo-foo dog. But I want to tell you something. He was, a, he was big on the inside. He would walk in our neighborhood. We lived out kind of in the country. Dogs could run free then. You didn't have to walk behind them and pick stuff up. And, uh, <laughs> but he would go into other people's, other dogs' yards and he would hike his leg on their bush or tree and then he would kick the dirt up behind him. And these dogs would come roaring out of the thing, bigger. They're always bigger than him. They would come, we had big dogs in our head, but they come roaring out and his secret weapon would step up. We had great dames. <laughs> and, and we had one great dame, weighed 150 pounds. When he stood on his hind legs, he could look me dead in the eyes. He was a big dog. And he, and he loved to scrap, too. And so Pal would be kicking up those dogs to come barking, and the Great Dane would step up and move toward them. And you could see dogs putting on doggy brakes all over there. They're like, And so that dog, he owned the neighborhood. He walked around, because, not because he was a great fighter. He didn't never fight. That, when the Great Dane, he would just step back, let that Great Dane clean house with those other dogs. But he owned the neighborhood until the Great Dane died. Then he stayed on the porch. <laughs> I always took a, a, a good lesson from that. I took a good lesson because when you begin to realize the Lord will help you, we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. Then instead of kind of sliding through life hoping problems don't come, you can start walking through life like this. You walk right into the enemy's territory. Kick up some grass on his thing. And you think, oh, I wouldn't do that. No, I don't feel like I'm so brave. I know who's backing me up. He said he would never leave me or forsake me. I've got help. It's a whole different perspective of how to look at threats and challenges from the kingdom of God perspective. We're part of his kingdom. We look at things differently. We're his people. We have his help. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. If you came and said, you know what, Alan, I don't. I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord or I'm not sure I do. Or maybe you had one one time, just got away from him. You know it, he knows it. And you're thinking, man, I, I want to come back. I, I, need, I need more of God in my life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But sitting right in your chair or watching online, this is your opportunity to receive from him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you I'm talking to and you say, Alan, that is me. One of those situations applies to me. Would you pray for me real quickly? Just slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Thank you for your courage. Appreciate it. You can put your hands down. Now, maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. And, you know, uh, just for some reason you didn't. You didn't miss your chance. This is a hard thing. We're going to pray. And we're going to have a whole church family join in. So you can join us on this. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. 
Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, head still bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you. For those that prayed that prayer, for those who've stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who've come back home, and we rejoice with them. Thank you. You accept them. We accept them. Thank you for the wonderful plans that you have for them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that our lives are in the process of being transformed. Heaven's perspective, kingdom of God perspective. Thank you that your word helps us change our perspective on life and that you're always with us. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.